had a question that bothered me. And I, I, I heard a Peshat on it. It happened to have been the, the, the Parsha that I heard the Peshat happened to have been Parsha Yisro. The Peshat was given to me by somebody here by Feigenbaum, who for a long time was one of the big Rabbanim in Arsamech in Eretz Yisro. And then he moved to Toronto and he has like a girl's school and he's also very involved in, in um, Kirov. So my, the question that bothered me was, you, anybody here know what Stanford is? It's a college in California. It's known as 90% of all good and high-ranking high apps, all computer programs that come out of America. Most of them are coming from Stanford. We're talking starting salary for a computer major there is high in the six digits. Like it's, it's a legit school. It's hard to get into. Expensive, expensive, expensive. But it's, if, if you're going into the, into the field of computers, physics, and those things, tap, tap in the world. So imagine you walk into Stanford and you're like, dude, I just invented a brand new invention. You take a tiny little um, metal casing with lithium, made out of lithium, and it has chemicals inside, a couple different chemicals. And you attach two, two copper wires to it, and at the end of that you stick a light bulb. You wrap the wires around the light bulb and you, you walk into Stanford. I want to get into this college. I want to be a professor here. Have you ever done anything with your life? Yes, I have. What have I done? Check this. I got two copper wires attached, wrapped around, the, wrapped around a light bulb. There's no electricity attached to this. I stick this tiny little metal casing, casing, I touch it, and all of a sudden the light bulb goes on. What do you think is going to happen to that guy? He'll be bounced on his head. You're an idiot. You come to the computer capital of the world and you think we're going to care about an invention called a light bulb that came out 150 years ago? You're not. Nothing, like, what are you doing? Moshe Rabbeinu walks into Mitzrayim. He's like, dude, check out this stick. I could turn it into a snake. And you have the whole entire Egypt in their diapers doing the exact same thing, right? It's the magic capital of the world. I don't mean Daniel Ice magic. I mean legit magic. What in the world is he thinking? What was Moshe Rabbeinu? What was God thinking? Like, what are you doing? You go into the capital of the world, and you're like, here, let me show you something cool. It doesn't work that way. Like, why did Moshe do it that way? That was a question that literally bothered me for years. What was Moshe's Havamina? Right? In my younger years, I didn't really know Stanford that well. So in my mind, it was like, imagine walking into, walking over to, you have 400,000 Jews or 4 million Jews according to some computations. You gather them all around, I'm going to prove that I am your savior. How? He takes a cute little toothpick that has, you know, like a red marker on the top of it. He rubs it against graphite and he creates fire. Look, this is proof that I'm your savior. I could create fire. And you're gonna have every little kid running home, grabbing a book of matches and creating fire the same way. And Moshe, you are not the savior. What, what was his Havamina? Like, what was he thinking? You want to do magic, do something real. You want to do, you know, like, like what was the point of the whole, the whole back and forth? Right? Well, you're right, at the end, Aaron's, Aaron's staff swallowed all the, all the materials, but what was he doing? Why did he do it that way? So, what Rabbi Feigenbaum said over was that it's very nice, you, you walk into a classroom, you walk into you know, a world, you walk into Mitzrayim, and you create something that they have never seen. They've never once before seen it in their lives. You're going to catch their attention. You're going to, wow, oh my gosh, it's so cool. Like you're blown away. You know, like, like, in my mind, when he said it was the Bible codes, right? I can prove from the Torah, every sixth word counted backwards tells us, you know, Moshe Kibbal Torah Misenai. You know, I can, I, I can go every 2,000th word and then divide it by three, it's going to tell me that there was an earthquake in 1994. It's the proof that the Torah is real, right? And for a second, you're like, wow, it's amazing. That's taka true, right? And it catches your attention. 
But then four years after you know you write your book called the Bible Codes, your computer pro- program called the Bible Codes, the diocese has a lot more money than any Jew out there, right? And they're going to pay that guy who wrote that computer program to write a new computer program to prove that Yashka is the real thing, and Yashka is the next God, and Yashka, you know, is the the resurrection, and and he took over. And then they're going to sit there like blowing you away with their with their you know crazy signs and, and crazy mifsim, and there goes Judaism down the tubes. If your whole Yiddishkeit is based on being blown away by something crazy, by, you know, wow, then the next big thing that comes along, and there will be another big thing, there will be another one. You're right, Aaron's staff was able to swallow all the Egyptian staffs, but there will be another one, and somebody else is going to come ahead and swallow Aaron's. It's just a fact. When it comes to magic, there will always be somebody who's better, who's able to do more. You want to take Harry Potter, Voldemort knew more magic than Dumbledore. That was the facts of the movie and of the books. He knew more. He was able to do more. Right? So why did everybody follow Dumbledore? Because there was more behind it than just the magic. There has to be more than just the things that are catching your attention. If you want to do something to catch people's attention, it's going to work. Right? But for a second. Then you're just going to follow the next big thing, which is... You know, what would have happened? Moshe Rabbeinu had to come to Mitzrayim. He couldn't come empty-handed. He had to come with something just to show that he's a player. It didn't have to be the biggest thing. It could be the smallest thing. But every little two-year-old can do. Every two-year-old can do. He could do it. He's able to do it. And it's not hard for him to do it. Moshe, I can do that also, Moshe says. You're right? But I'm showing you something more than that. I'm showing you MS. I'm showing you truth. I'm not even trying to catch your attention for one second. That's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to show you that A, I'm a player, but B, what I'm trying to play with is a lot more real than what the Egyptians are playing with. I'm not trying to blow you out of the, like, out of the state. I'm not trying to you know, blow everybody away. I'm not trying to be the next biggest, coolest thing. I want more than that. I want you to think, I want you to accept me as I am and what it is. I want you to really, really believe in the Rebbeinah Shalom. You come in with crazy magic that wasn't going to happen. They were going to be believing in the magic. He had to come in with nothing. He had to come in with you know, a cute little baby, baby trick that my staff is eating your staff. That is why Moshe Rabbeinu, you're right, he walked into Stanford with the light bulb. Is there tons more that he's able to do? Yeah, but he's trying to prove that you're not believing my light bulb. You're not, you're not hiring me as a professor because of what I can do. You're hiring me as a professor because it's the truth. What I'm trying to sell you is the truth. That is what Rabbi Fagimam said. I heard him, he said it seven years ago, he said it Friday night in Ramadish Golf. And I, I loved the shot. My problem was, was that the next day I sat down in shul and we, we got Kabbalah Satira. And we read about the Koilois, we read about the noises, we read about Hashem, Yibos. guys died, they didn't die, they fainted, they didn't faint, they were blown away a mile, they didn't run away a mill, right? You have all the different Midrashim. How does it all fit with this Vart? Like, Fagimam, your whole, your whole Vart, like, what's the deal? Now, he believes this 100% MS. You walk into Arsameach, there is no Bible code class. You walk into Isha Torah, there is. It was a between Eishat Torah and Arsameach, how do we catch people's attention? How do we grab them? How do we get them? He believes this from the bottom of his heart, that it's a true vart. And I, it's a beautiful vart. I'm not arguing on the vart. My question was, what happens in this week's parsha? Why in the world, when Hashem's giving us the Torah, when He's giving us the MS, does it have to come along with all these crazy mice and nisim, for lack of a better word? Does it have to come along with the magic? Does there have to be more to attach to it? Let the MS speak for itself. Right? There's a, a Kiev Yeshiva, in everyone calls it Chappelle's. I don't know the real name. He never tries to get anybody with anything besides the Torah. He doesn't learn Musar. He doesn't give them speeches. He just sits down and learns with them the Chavrusa. Have Chappelle. He's successful at some people and less successful at others. But he, he takes this Mahal to the extreme. That we only do this, we don't do anything else. But the bottom line is, Hashem did otherwise. Hashem did more. So, 
I know somebody who was someone I'm very, very close to, got married many, many years ago, and his parents, more his in-laws, weren't so down for the, like, they didn't think it was such a shidduch. It's not as negay nowadays when people, you know, you, we use our parents more when it comes to dating. You know, Rebbe Kewish always says, you know, let my mother meet the girl, and then if she says it's good, then I'll date. Date three times, you get married, good, you're good to go. In the olden days, a lot of times the parents never met the girls. Like, it was much more of a, you know, like, you meet on your own. You meet her, you know, and you take it to the next step. So the, the in-laws were not down for this marriage, and they weren't giving a penny towards the wedding. And the guy went over to his Rebbe, his, his Mashiach, and he's like, Rebbe, what am I supposed to do? I've never worked. You know, I work in the summers. I don't have that much money. My wife doesn't have, my future wife doesn't have that much money. We're, we're supposed to get married, you know? Mirzashem, we're getting married. The norm is to get married in a hall. For the last thousands of years, when Klai Yisrael got married, they got married in halls. I don't care if you were in Europe. I don't care if you were in, you know, Flatbush. I don't care if you're in wherever you're from. Chile or wherever it is. It makes no difference. You, you, the weddings were made nicely, you know? I, I once had a Rebbe in the mirror, someone that I liked a lot. And he was once trying to get us, you know, precious, precious, precious. He said, you know what the biggest gvir in Europe, what he served by his wedding? Everybody got their own chavarol. Every single person got their own chavarol. And I was like, wow, what a wedding. Everybody got their own chavarol. Forget about everybody getting a cute little chicken on the bone. Everybody got their own chavarol. And that was the biggest wedding. And nowadays, I don't care how many takanas you're piling on top of takanas, everybody's getting their own soup, their own rolls, their own, their own everything nonstop. It's crazy how, you know, how much we've, you know, not cared about, you know, other people's money and our own money, how we spend, how we this, how we that. And B'chvoi Tarascha, you know, Taraso, he's right and he's wrong. If the G'dayim want to shut something down, they have no problem shutting something down. They made Takanas for where it was, you know, core and like everyone has to stick to it. It lasted about six months and then they stopped it. There was a reason why they stopped it, I'm assuming. You're right, it's very, very hard on people's money. Weddings cost a fortune. But at the same time, there's something else going on. What this person was told by his mashkiach was, is that you're getting married. Amir Tzashem, you're going to have a beautiful life. You're going to have an amazing you know, marriage together. It shall last for hundreds of years. Your kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, also have called others. But the facts of life are is that there are times that get hard. You don't always see eye to eye on things. A lot of times you're going to disagree. You know, you like this, she likes that. You're, you're into this, she's into that. You know, your kids come home, they have a bad day at school. Call the teacher, don't call the teacher. You disagree on things. The stresses of money. These things keep piling up and adding up. If you got married in a pasha hall, you didn't have a photographer, you didn't have a band, you don't have any of those things, you don't remember that big excitement from the beginning. I, as a person's dating and getting engaged and getting married, there's a, there's a buildup of excitement, which a lot of it is natural, some of it's unnatural. Hashem does give that to us. You know, we get excited for the big day. If you cut down that big day, you know, you don't get married in a hall, or you get married in a shul, or you don't have the caterer, you don't have the photographer, you don't have the band playing, what are you falling back upon when things get tough? You're right. It's not like necessarily like, oh, I got to do this. I have to do that. But at the same time, you always want to be able to have, you know, your wife just had a hard day. You know, let her open up that wedding album, you know, and, and remember the geschmack that she had from the wedding. Remember the geschmack that she had, like dancing by that wedding. Remember those good times. Remember the amazement that she had. I think it's similar over here with Kabbalah Satoyer. We're right. Moshe didn't convince us with any crazy Nisim. There were no Nisim that happened for Moshe to convince us. To the extent that, you know, four-fifths of us, Taka, didn't believe the MS and died, right? <laughs> whether it was they didn't want to go out of Mitzrayim, whether it was they didn't believe in, in Taras Moshe, if the Nisim were so crazy, then everybody would have been believed, right? We weren't all 
Not all of us trust an entire Shmaisha. Not all of us wanted to leave. And four-fifths of Klai Yisrael, we say, died during Makas Choshech and had to be buried. Which means that showing up to Kabbalah Satora were people that believed in Tarus Hashem. So what was the reason for the Kailas, for the, the amazement, for the whole world knowing what was going on, for everybody, everybody hearing everything? You could say the reason was Hashem is saying, I know what's going to happen. In future days it will be hard. There are times when it's going to be impossible. You know, you're going to be annihilated. You're going to be persecuted. You're not going to be able to keep the Torah. You're not going to be able to keep the mitzvahs. If the wedding between Klai Yisrael and the Torah didn't happen with all the fanfare, it would have been a lot harder for us to, to maintain it and to keep it. They traveled another 40 years. Everybody who traveled, according to Rashi, was dead. Not one in the 600,000 people that was at Maimon Arsini went into Eretz Yisrael besides for Yoshua. Right? And, well, and Kalev. According to the Ramban, you're right, there were 40,000 people that did. Right? 15,000. 15,000. Because of the Maisa Ego. I mean, because of the... Not the ego, because of the Maragum, yeah. I'd walk by offer it like every single person. That's what, yeah, that's what the Pateria says. All 600,000. 15,000 people died every single year for 40 years. All 600,000 of them died. Besides, for, according to the Ramban, the last year nobody died. According to Rashi, everybody died the last year. Even the last year, everybody died. Now, right, all those people, so me and you, none of us were at the Maimon Arsina. We don't necessarily remember the Maimon Arsina. But it was enough for, to keep us going, for us to have the Messiah, for us to think about and, and to remember and to, and, and to take on, and for us to taka, you know, Baruch Hashem, be able to live our lives as, as Tariq Yidin. So it's the same by Yechasana. You want to have the excitement, you want to have the joy. Have the whole yeshiva go into a wedding. What's Pshat that, that we stop Talmud Torah for people, you know, yeshivas, so to speak, closed down for us to go to weddings? We want that day to be a huge day of joy. We don't just, you know, as the Gayim say, quote unquote, elope and run off to Vegas. We don't want it that way, right? Because it might have the most marriage license written every day, it's also the most. Divorce is written every day. There is nothing more to that. There is no... There is, it, it doesn't have that enjoyment. It doesn't have what to fall back upon. We want to have what to fall back upon. It was the same with Maimon Arsini. You're right, you all believe in Teres Moshe, but we also want to have something to fall back upon. There's nothing wrong with, you know, making a crazy siyam, you know, going all out, with ma- making things enjoyable, adding sometimes, you know, you add the background noise, add the, you know, the excitement and those things. You know, it helps, It works. So it could be I'm right, it could be I'm wrong, I don't know, but that for sure answered that one question. There was one other point that struck me in this week's parasha. If you open up the Chumash, it says that by, by, by when it comes to this Aser Sedebris, we have the fact that we're supposed to keep Shabbos. In the Eschanan, the Chumash says Shamar. Right? We're supposed to remember Shabbos. There's a machlokis in the Rishonim. Whether, what did it say in the Luchas Lamaisa? Did it say Zachar or did it say Shamar? Which one did it say? Which one? By us, the, 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 the Torah says Zachar. The Torah in Parshas Yisrael says. Zohar says Shabbos Right, and the Varmit says not also, and the Varmit says Shamar. Which one did it say in the Luchos? Which one did it say in the Luchos? There are two different Luchos. Which one, which one did it say Zohar or Shamar in the Luchos? Which one did it say? So, as the 
Maral says what Chaim just said. It said Zohar in the first and Shamar in the second. The Ramban says it said Zohar in both. And Moshe Rabbeinu, when he spoke, said Zohar for Shamar. Right? The question is, what is, this, what is Zohar, what is Shamar? The fact that we, first of all, the, the, the Pasuk writes Zohar over here, Shamar over there. What is the back and forth? What is Zohar, what is Shamar? What is a Keneged? What, what is it talking about? What is it based on? So, to the extent that we have a Machokis, you have a, between the Rishonim, which one it actually said. What is the big difference? Zohar is, remember Shamar is watch. What's the main difference between the two? So there's, there's also, there's a Gemara at the end of the sixth parak in Baba Kama, which the Gemara asks, why didn't it say Tov in the first Luchos? The Gemara answers, because it's going to be broken. And then there's a Tosis that brings down Ayataz, Ayatazen, right? There's a, whole, there's a whole back and forth in a Tosis and Baba Basra. And Tosis says, from here we see that just because something is written in the Torah doesn't mean it's necessarily the way it was written in when it happened. Meaning there's a Ksiv and a Kri. We might read something a certain way, or there might be a Ksiv a certain way, but what, the way it was actually said by Moshe Rabbeinu, might have been different. This is a Tosis in Baba Basra, proves it from that Machokis in Baba Kama, which we see that there is more going on to the Zachar V'Shomer, whether there is or whether there isn't, and, and what exactly it was. So, in L'Chadodi, right, we say, Shomer V'Zachar V'Divyachar. In some of the say, right, Right? We have the Shomer written before the Zohar. Now, I don't care if you're the Ramban, I don't care if you're the Maral. In our Chumash, we clearly have Zohar before Shomer. Why is it when we mention it in the, Pizma, the Pizmans, who are written by, you know, Kashava Kabbalists, why in the world are we always saying the Shomer before the Zohar? That is, that is the question. What? I've heard Ahav and Yira. Shomer is more because you love Zachar, right? say it's, it's the same as the Ahav and the Yira. Um, another thought that I once had is that one is Kenegad Maiseberatius, one is Kenegad Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Right? Shomer is Kenegad Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Zachar is Kenegad Maiseberatius. Right? When. Maiseberatius. And Shomer is Kenegad. Uh, no, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. When, when Avada, when, when it comes to, to, to Hashem writing the Ruchos, or for sure we have it the way Artur writes in the, in the Ruchos Rishonos, it's Zohar Shem Hashem created the world. We have to take care of His creation. Part of His creation is the fact that we rest on the seventh day. We don't do, we don't do any Malacha. But it's very nice when somebody tells you, do something, do something, do something, do something, do something. If you have no relationship with the guy, you're not doing it. I don't care who and what he is. You might be afraid. You're going to have that year. You're going to do it a couple times. Eventually, you're done. Eventually, you're not doing it anymore. It just doesn't work. Right? The Philadelphia Eagles this year had a coach. Last year, had a coach. And the year before, they had a coach. Right? Chip Kelly was a college coach. In college, it's very, very famous. You have a bunch of 17, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds underneath you. They want to party every night, all night. Right? So the coaches in college are on top of their players. You have curfews. You, you miss a curfew, you're done. Right? You, you can't stick around. The guy comes to the NFL. His first two seasons, he had winning records. They went to the playoffs his first season. His third season, he's done. He lost the team. He has nothing to do with the team anymore. Why? What happened? When you're talking with 30-year-olds, you keep beating them on the head. It's not going to work. Even with college guys, it doesn't work, but there's no choice. They need to stay, they need to stay with you. Somebody's a mature adult. You beat him, you beat him, you beat him. It doesn't really work. It has to be coming from somewhere. Right? Chip Kelly's gone. He's no, he was no longer the coach of the Eagles. Let's we'll see what happens. 
and his next, at his next helm. However, the Eagles got the point is that the guy beats us, it's not going to work. You treat adults like college students, it's not going to work. If all we have is the Zohar, the, I created the world and therefore you listen to me, it doesn't really work. Right? First we have to have the Shamar, the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, whatever my Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, we were a downtrodden, and we were beaten up nation. We were getting killed by the thousands, whether it was in the, the, you know, the building of Pisam and Ramses and people were drowning, whether it was plague, whether it was infestations, whatever it was, Kleisel was being, was being anni- not annihilated physically, but we, we, were, we, we were totally being destroyed in Mitzrayim. Hashem took us out. Hashem was armonic. Hashem weeded us, led us, sorry, out of Mitzrayim. He totally took care of us. Our le- tiniest bit last needs, right? You want the mon? You want the mon? There's everything. Every little thing that you want, you know, Hashem, our clothing grew with us. No matter what you had, you had to worry about no, no one and nothing. When it comes to the today, today's us, now, the Pizmonim said, Shamar v'zachar b'divar echad, meaning, there has, it has to start with a shmiru. You have to have a manik. You have to have somebody you love. You have to have somebody you trust. You have to have somebody who cares for you and you care from him, for him. Then you could come to the zakhar. It was shamar v'zakhar. First you have the shmira. You have the, you have the, the caring about uh, Hashem cares about us. When we're going to come to caring about him. What was said in, in the actual... We don't know. It could have been Shmir or it could have been Schira. We don't know. But we have to have the Shamar aspect of it. It might have said Zachar in both, like the Ramban says. But Moshe Rabbeinu, Rabbeinu said it as a Shamar. Why? To show us there, there's a Manhik here. Hashem took care of us. Hashem's the one who gave us everything. Maybe we could come to a, a Matzev of of Schira, right? A lady is is mechuyim kiddush. I to mitzvah say she has man grama. We say koshi yeshnon v'shmir yesh. Right? They have one. They have the other. Why? Hashem takes care of us. Hashem is there for us. Memeila, we're gonna have the aspect of of you know being. It works like that for anything in life. A guy just sits there beating his kids. There's no relationship parents to children. A guy sits there loving his kids. His kids love him. Rabbi Kader says over the story a million times. You know, a father, and I, I, I can vouch for this story. A father called up Rabbi Kalish and said, you know, I'm taking my son skiing. Or my grandfather wants to take, my father wants to take our kids skiing. Right? What can we get out of this? So, Rabbi Kalish says over the story, he said it over a bunch of times. He said, he said it over in Musa a bunch of times. Two years ago, I'm in the pizza shop with my wife. Rabbi Kalish calls us both over. I wasn't working in the high school. I wasn't working for three years ago. I wasn't working for Bekewish. No, like, I was in the Koyo or Bekewish was in the high school. It wasn't, and he was my Rebbe, but he's like, I was, I was in the Koyo at the time. It wasn't like he was trying to give me, you know, like, oh, you have to hear this, you have to hear this. He, 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 he calls, he calls me and my wife over. He's like, you have to sit down. I have to tell you. I just got off the phone with a father. With a father. He said, my grandfather wants, my, my father wants to take the kids skiing. What can I get out of it? I said, what can you get out of it? A relationship with your son. What do you mean? How, how many months should we get him to learn? You got a relationship with your son. Why is it always... Rebekah said this. He called over me and my wife to tell us this. Like it was like random. We're in the pizza shop ordering pizza. You have to hear this. Yes, you have to hear this. Come, come. Bring your rabbits in with you. You, you both have to hear this. If you don't have the law, you, if you don't have that, it's not going to work. In Mitzvah Hashem, we're all going to be parents, right? We're all going to be... We're, we're all going to be... We always have to have the, the, the... The kids always have to feel the money. They always have to feel that you care about them. Your kid's best friend has to be you. Right? It can't just be, you know, like I'm sitting there beating, beating him up, beating him up, beating, be, being down on him. It's not going to work. 
we have Moshe Rabbeinu was saying Zacher v'Shamer, Shamer v'Zacher, right? The, what the Ruchah said, it's very possible it said Zacher. We don't know. The Raya we don't know is that Tosus and Baba Basra, what was actually said in the Ruchos. Tosus says that clearly. We don't know what was actually said. But the fact that there has to be a Shamer and a Zacher, why, why is, the, is the Torah bringing down the Zacher first? Because the Ruchah says, my Sebaratius, it was written. The Ruchos were already, I mean, obviously Moshe Rabbeinu took it down, but they were officially written, you know, before, before my Sebaratius. So the Ruchos are a connection to my Sebaratius, that's what's written first. But when it comes to us, what is first? If there's no Shmir, there can't be a Shir. We have to always feel like there's a manhig.